0: I just love this quote, uh, until we completely pacify the mind, we do not have a mind, our mind has us. Um, It's why, it's why we practice meditation, it's what meditation offers us, is a mind that does not just jump from here to there, that is not dragged around by whatever whim or occurrence happens. A mind that's stable, relaxed, Um, uh, And the analogy of exercise um, comes up a lot uh, with meditation. That in the same way, if you want to be strong, if you want to be fit, you just practice daily. You have some Activity that you do every day to just continue to push you more and more forward in the same way we meditate in order to continually bring our mind back to a calm place, to a place that's centered. We develop a greater skill with the way we meditate as we do it longer and longer so that it becomes much more effective for us. So that's kind of what meditative practice is um, is about. Uh, Next slide. Last week, we went over uh, the seven points of posture. I'm going to go over these again because these are really going to make or break your meditation practice. Uh, We uh, we gave out a handout last uh, week with uh, these seven points on it. If you're new to meditation, meaning if you haven't been doing it for a few years, uh, keep that uh, sheet by your uh, cushion until you've memorized it. Because each time you sit down, you want to be able just to go through this series really quickly just to settle in in the proper way. So let's do that real quickly. We're going to do a brief meditation. So, um, if you are going to sit on a cushion, that's great. We have more Zafus and Zapatons the bottom cushion and the top cushion to sit on. uh, In the closet if anyone needs. If you want to sit in a chair, that's fine. So let's just go through the seven steps. We're gonna start with the foundation of our posture, which is essentially the pelvis, the legs. Uh, We want the legs to be resting on something. Um, If you're in tight pants, or you don't have a lot of flexibility in the hips, and your knees are up here, it's gonna be a strain. So if that's the situation, and your knees in this position just Come to here. They don't go down any further. Could they have some support under them? You want your legs to be touching something, not just kind of hanging out in the air. You want your hips to be at the proper height. So what's proper height? It's kind of it's different for everyone. There's a sweet spot. As your uh, cushion becomes higher and higher, where you go from no cushion, which kind of has you more in this position, exaggerating a bit, but more of the rounded back, and it's just kind of hard to maneuver up into uh, a proper position if you're not sitting on anything, to if you're going too high, you're thrown forward, your uh, back is arched, you're out of balance. So you find a sweet spot between those two Two positions where you just settled in and it just feels balanced. Uh, the spine needs to be pretty much straight up and down. Um, one of the most important parts of posture, especially because as we're sitting in meditation, there's a tendency to kind of sink down. I think if you you know sat in meditation much at all all well, had that experience of just all of a sudden you realize, God, my just kind of collapsed. So we want to pay attention to where the spine is—not too much forward, not too much back, not twisted one side or the other, or rather tipped to one side or the other or twisted. Anyway, you just want it straight and relaxed in a neutral position. I mean, you're going to find that if it's if your spine is like a quarter inch to Fog too forward or a quarter inch too back, too much back, it's going to be a strain you feel. Maybe not in the first few minutes of meditation, but through maybe 20 minutes, you're just going to feel like, gosh, I'm just working this too hard. So again, we just find that balance. Um, the uh, shoulders are the third point. You want your shoulders relaxed with an open chest. The open chest is important because uh, if the chest is uh, collapsed like this, if the shoulders are running forward, then it blocks the energy here, it blocks the breath, it stifles the meditation. Uh, a good way to set the shoulders in their proper place is bring them up to your uh, ears, back as far as you can squeeze your shoulder blades together, and then just let them relax. What holds your shoulders in place, either in a seated position in the chair, or on a cushion, is really the position of your hands. Uh, if you are putting your hands on your uh, legs, uh, you'll find that just a quarter inch forward, pulls your forward, quarter inch back, push you back. A good way to kind of regulate this is to just find the proper position, just drop your hands down. And then you may find that even with that, you just need to tweak a little bit, something to experiment with. Um, If you uh, take this position with the hands, where you're here, you want to roll your shoulders back, drop them down, and drop your hands into position with this. I really like this position here in seated meditation because when my hands are here, I'm feeling a real subtle pressure of the weight of my hands, causing a little tension in the hip here as it just mechanically pulls it up a bit. And this avoids that for me uh, completely. So if you notice that there is that there's a little, as you're in this position, there's a little tension here, play around with the different uh, hand posture here. And uh, this one is just uh, the left hand down, the right hand on the top, and the thumbs, just not quite touching. Um, it's taught in different ways and different lineages. This is how we teach it. It works well. Um, if you have. It, Slightly different variation of hand position from a different teaching, and you like it—that's fine, no problem. Um, position of the head should be fairly neutral. And it's just kind of a continuation of the spine. It's a good a good way to situate the uh, the head is to just look forward as if you're uh, gazing out at the horizon should be a relaxed feeling about it. And you should have that sense of not too back, not too forward. And then leave your head there. Um, the eyes, you want the gaze lowered. It kind of brings us in a little bit. It keeps the mind from wandering off and uh, so on. So you want the, eye, the gaze drop down. How far? It changes with different people. The rule of thumb is if you're sitting on a cushion, about uh, six feet in front of you, Uh, if you're sitting on a chair, it's going to be a little further. But you want to pick a place for your eyes to rest. And um, not bore into that place with your eyes, but just a very soft gaze, just to hold your eyes in a certain Uh, So, again, the head, uh, you find the position, keep it there, and then you just drop the eyes down. Uh, I'm going to give you a, uh, we're going to jump ahead just a little bit. As you uh, try to regulate your uh, energy during meditation, if you're too uh, dull, too sleepy, or too agitated, head position is a real good way to do that. You'll find that you're experiencing just some dullness, we'll go over more of that in detail later on today, but if you're just a tired, dull, sleepy mind, just to bring your chin up just like a couple degrees, just barely perceptible, really changes that mental state. If you're agitated, jumping around like you had too much coffee, or you're worried about something you can't get out of your mind, dropping the chin down, again, just a few degrees very helpful. With that. Uh, so there is some variation on that, but I'd say start out in that neutral position. Get to know that uh, position. Become familiar. Uh, the jaw, you want relaxed. There's a tendency with uh, a lot of people to clench the jaw when you're making an up, and it's just not helpful. It uh, strains the body. You want these muscles to be relaxed. You want to make sure that the teeth are not uh, touching. Um, you want the mouth at the same time to be closed because if you have your mouth open a little bit, it tends to get a dry mouth. You'll tend to breathe into your nose and your mouth at the same time, uh, and it just tends to dry your mouth out. You tend to swallow a lot, and it's just kind of a distraction to the meditation. In some lineages, they will teach to open your mouth a little bit, if that works for you. If you've had that construction before, it works. That's great. But I would try uh, keeping it close. I think it's a, personally, I think it's a um, easier way to, uh, to have, to hold that. Uh, the last uh, point, the seventh point, is where to place the tongue. You wouldn't think you'd need to place the tongue anywhere in particular, but actually, to rest the tongue in a certain way, just leave it there stops your mouth from uh, producing saliva, motion produces saliva, and if you can just remain still and relaxed in your mouth, you find that um, you just don't have to worry about swallowing, it's just one less distraction. So resting the tongue just behind the upper teeth, gently against the heart palate, just a real good way Start working with that, pretty soon it just becomes very uh, uh, unconscious, very. Uh, What's the word I, I want here? Uh, automatic. Automatic, that's right. I was going to go with instinctive, but I like automatic, by So that's how we sit. The whole goal of posture is to park your body so that it does not distract you. Uh, and you're going to find that physical things are one of your major distractions in there. So before we uh, uh, do a practice meditation, next slide, I'm going to go over the four R's. This is what you do when your mind gets distracted because we're going to be doing mostly single-pointed meditation day where we're resting the mind, we're resting the attention on one thing and just leaving it there and developing stability. Uh, what happens inevitably is sooner or later your mind just starts to walk. And uh, we've all had that experience if you've meditated. You're on the object of meditation and it's either slowly drifts off or it just you're on the meditation, you're on the meditation, and then it just goes like, oh God, what happened? Um, but when you realize that the attention has wandered, that you're off the object of meditation. We want to bring the mind back to the meditation in a specific way. So those are the four R's. So first, we release the, uh, the idea or the thought that has stolen our mind away, that has shanghaied our mind. Uh, and it you know, could be what's for dinner. could be rehashing an argument you have. A number of things will pull our mind away. But You just realize, oh, I'm thinking about dinner. And you just let go of that. And sometimes you have to talk to yourself a little bit. You're like, okay, I'm meditating now. I set this time aside for meditation, not for meal planning. And I'm going to get to the meal planning. And sometimes you have to have that dialogue with yourself. That's fine. Sometimes you just let it go. And it's almost a visual image of it just kind of going off into the sunset. And you're reclaiming your mind. The second art is rejoicing. What you're rejoicing about is that you're loosened again. Your mind isn't wandering out there. You've realized your mind, uh, that you've wandered. You've brought it back. That's the practice of meditation. A lot of times we think good meditation is always staying on the object of meditation. But really, good meditation is just doing the op- appropriate thing while we're meditating. And the appropriate thing when you realize that you're off the object of meditation is to bring it back. So you're on track again. You've got good meditation going. Rejoicing about that, just briefly, trains that part of the mind that brings it back, that that is aware, that that remembers, oh, I'm off the object of meditation now. Um, Rejoicing just strengthens that. That it uh, there's another word you could probably to this, <laughs> anyone just jump it that it it makes your mind more likely to do that it habituates it thank right? you it. it habituates your mind um, to returning to the object uh, of meditation sooner and sooner so like that the third R is we actually do just return to the object of meditation mm-hmm. often with us it's the breath rhythm of the breath. So whatever you're, whatever, whatever object of meditation you've chosen, return to that. Settle into the rhythm of the object of meditation. The fourth R is to relax. So when we're back on track, you just want to settle into that. Um, as Westerners, we will tend to make too much effort in And it becomes uh, a detriment. It does not serve as well. Uh, The more relaxed you can be and still maintaining the structure of your meditation, your focus and posture and so on, the better you're going to be. Uh, The more quickly you will uh, progress through the stages of meditation, the faster you will start to achieve realizations Learn to relax, and then relaxation is a sweet spot. You know, it's not like relaxation is just under a collapse and there's this pool of quivering jello and yes. It's kind of coming to a place where we are relaxed as much as we can, still maintaining our meditation. So let's do a five-minute meditation. Everyone to get into their meditation posture. <coughs> And just go over your, by yourself the uh, uh, the seven points. And I'm not going to talk during this meditation. We'll just be doing it for five minutes. You have hmm, you have twenty seconds to settle in, to prepare, then you hear another gong. Hmm. Well, I'm just wondering what's it's going to do. There we go. Five minutes, you're on. When your mind becomes distracted and you realize you're off the meditation, bring your mind back to the object of meditation by releasing, rejoicing, returning. Take a moment, break from the object of meditation, just review your posture, kind of adjust it as you need to, and then return to the object of meditation. So before we go on, are there any questions about uh, posture or some of the more basic things we covered last week? Yeah? Um, I, I like to get back into a sitting meditation posture that um, I've just been noticing, and this has always been a case of the legs falling asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's just like sweet spot. But yeah. There, but any tips on how to You know, counteract- it's, a, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a very common thing yeah. to, uh, to struggle with. Um, I used to think that it was inevitable uh, because it was, because it's so common and then I kind of tweak my posture just right. My legs just don't fall asleep anymore. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of convinced that it's possible with proper props and you know and such, to just get into a posture where that's just not a problem. But, um, having your seat uh, cushion a little higher mm-hmm. works. I uh, notice, uh, for you if it's sitting in a chair, it may be that, uh, if, that, if that's mm-hmm. a problem, having a little higher seat in the chair, so that your hips are, and your knees are about the same level, maybe. Yeah, chair's no problem. <laughs> Uh, Shorter periods of meditation than working up to it may be helpful. Um, In some lineages, they will teach uh, physical discomfort is simply something that you need to overcome. Uh, And just, you know, just the way you overcome it is by just being with it. You know, your legs are falling asleep, you just, okay, my legs are falling asleep, that's okay. And you just are there with your late falling asleep, not focusing on them, returning to the object of meditation, and just kind of dealing with it that way. There are other lineages that are more, you know, any discomfort is a distraction, and you just want to minimize them as much as possible. I tend to be in that for that latter school. I just don't like to be uncomfortable. So I tend to work that way. Like that. Any other questions? Okay. let's go uh, next. Uh, six preliminaries. Um, okay, I'm going to go back to the analogy of meditation. The same way when you're going to work out, uh, before you work out, you uh, uh, you warm up. You get your body in the right you know right. Um, state to benefit as much as you can from uh, the exercise, you get your mind into a proper state, and so on. Meditation is a lot like that. If you take the time to settle in in the proper way, you have a much better meditation. The six preliminaries are, uh, you know, something that's just been worked with for thousands of years. You know, what makes uh, a more Beneficial meditation, and these are the six things we've come up with. There's only five here. You may have noticed.
1: Okay. <laughs> we have
0: others. Uh, but the first thing you want to do is tidy up your space and uh, set up an altar. Uh, everyone's uh, place of meditation is different. You maybe you're fortunate to have fortunate enough to have a room dedicated. To, uh, to meditation, that's great. If uh, you're meditating in your living room or your bedroom, certain things you want to do to just make the space appropriate. You basically, straighten up. If you're in your uh, bedroom, make the bed, pick up things off the floor. You want to straighten up until you look around and think, this is not agitating my mind. And it, again, it's different for everyone. If, that if you're comforted by clutter, you may look around. Everything's on the floor. Yeah, I'm in my glory here, <laughs> That's fine. Most people are going to be distracted by clutter. And that's just one of the things you want to uh, attend to uh, right off. Um, noises, you want to close windows if, it's, uh, if you've got a lot of traffic outside, and so on. Kind of the obvious stuff, remove the distractions. Uh, Set up your meditation space. The place that you should be looking at should be relatively uh, calm. You don't want fabric with a lot of pattern in it. You don't want an altar that you're looking right uh, at that's too busy. No problem having an altar with a lot of things on it. But if you do have an altar that's got a lot going on, you don't want to be staring right at that altar while you are meditating. It will be a distraction. So in front of you, good to set up an altar, just a small altar that has a few things on it that just bring your mind to the right place. A picture of a holy being is always good, a statue of a holy being. We're Buddhists, we recommend Buddha. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Jesus is fine, you know, if that works for you. Uh, A picture of some uh, historical figure or some figure that you know that's inspirational to you works very well. Um, Some offering uh, is appropriate. Flowers, incense, water bowls can all be done. This is a fairly lengthy practices to really get into what you you want your altar to be like. I'm not gonna go into great detail here. But your altar should be something that when you set, when you rest your eyes on it, it warms your heart. It brings you to a sacred place just like that. And so you tweak it a little bit. You You put something on, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Have an altar that's active, that's alive, that's changing. Uh, over time, put different flowers on. We tend to get in a rut with things we put on our altar. Uh, Maybe try a different incense, try a different incense bowl. Uh, But if you notice that it's kind of getting stale for you and it will eventually change things up. Um, Number two, set something on the altar uh, that's fresh. Again, Fresh flowers, fresh water bowls, uh, light a candle, that sort of thing. Do something right then that engages you with, your, uh, with the altar. Uh, third, you want to take your seat, settle in, sovereign uh, points of posture, and no matter what you eventually will have as your object of meditation, at this point, you just want to follow the breath for ten breaths. Um, you can count uh, one through ten. Typically in Tibetan Buddhism, uh, as we count, we exhale first, and then inhale. The beginning of the breath is the exhalation, is are making room. Uh, and you can just breathe out, breathe in. Uh, it's one breath. Breathe out, breathe in. It's two breaths. Uh, Or you could just count one, then take another breath, count one. I'm mentioning this because I find with counting the breaths, the counting a sequence becomes a bit of a distraction, where if you just count one each breath, it's just kind of easier. And you're not gonna, you know, do ten, You don't have to hit 10 right on if it's 9 or 11. Do kind of about 10 uh, breaths. Um, But that will settle you into your meditation posture in a good way. The fourth thing you want to do in the six preliminaries is visualize someone or something inspirational. Uh, This is important because this this image uh, that, you, that you choose is going to be something that, if you work with it over time, gets better and better for you. So that if you choose an image of the Buddha to bring you to mind, you're going to find that as you work with this image, it becomes stronger and stronger. It becomes more that object that's going to bring you to the, your mind into a very stable, uh, happy, relaxed place. And we imbue this image over time with certain qualities. We'll be talking about that with the Seven Greens in just a minute. Um, but it could be, again, uh, uh, a religious uh, image of, uh, a deity. Uh, it could be someone you admire. It could be a historical figure. It could be your mom. It could be your grandmother. It could be your brother your pet. Um, If you want, you could choose an image of the ocean or a sunset, something like that. Personally, I found it just easier with uh, a person, and especially a person that I have a great deal of admiration for. But then, when we do that, we are into the seven ingredients. Can we pull up the next slide? Um, So, six preliminaries. The fifth preliminary is seven ingredients. This will be confusing. I will make it, I'm trying to make it clear now, but we'll come back to that. But within these six preliminary practices, there is a list of seven ingredients, seven things we do uh, once we've brought this uh, uh, image of a holy being or a holy thing to our mind. So the first thing we do is were are sitting with this image. I'm not going to say a holy being, but with the image, and you think about one trait of this person that you admire. If it's, if say it's your grandmother, you always admired her calmness when everyone else was agitated when there was a crisis. She'd always always be the one to just have a calmness about her, to do the right thing, to get everyone else calm and kind of. Honest. You just if you're so if you're thinking about your grandmother you just rest with that image of her you remember that you think about that for about 20 seconds because it takes about 20 seconds for that image to really kind of settle into you in a visceral sort of way and that's what we're doing here where each time we meditate we're loading this image with more and more of the good things we want the good qualities we want Um, uh, Compassion is something that's great. Uh, Generosity is great for the the image. Just think about something that that image means to you. This is why I tend to encourage people to use the same image over time, because as you imbue it with good traits, it'll just, again, get stronger for you. The second thing uh, you want to do, is imagine offering them uh, something. Um, and it's a, a sense of, I'm trying to find words for this, it's a way that you acknowledge the high esteem that you hold this person or this uh, this image in. Uh, you can offer them uh, your mind, flowers, uh, a hillside of flowers, a sky full of flowers. You can offer them some activity you're going to do. You know, I'm going to uh, meditate, and I'm going to offer you that. Uh, you could offer them um, a glass of water if it's a hot day, but something that you're that you're you're thinking of something that would be pleasing to them. Offering it to them in a complete, unfettered sort of way. Um, in uh, a Buddhist context, um, bringing an admirable quality to mind, the first one, uh, is similar to taking refuge. Um, it's that sense of I'm acknowledging the good good points of uh, the object of refuge. I'm taking refuge in these objects because they have these goods. The second one, imagining offering them something, is, uh, uh, correlates with um, uh, flashing on bodhicitta. You know, that sense of we're here to offer uh, ourselves to the world, to be in the world in a way that, um, that saves beings, that helps beings become, uh, to help beings achieve their spiritual goals, and this uh, just making an offering is synonymous, or not synonymous, but it is close to that. Uh, The third thing, clear your conscience. Um, In a Buddhist context, this would be confession, and there's a certain... um, pattern that this confession can go that's very powerful that I'm just going to touch on briefly. This is actually going to be a whole afternoon's talk. Um, to uh, to uh, have a good confession as for let's go through four keys. The first is just to acknowledge uh, what you did and to acknowledge sure. that wasn't good because this. You know, I uh, lied to my uh, boss because it was convenient. And just to think, you know, oh. there's a lot of downsides there, and just to review. I did something that you know that, that is contrary to my own personal moral values, to my own personal ethics, I feel bad about it, these are the problems with it. You just bring that to mind, that'd be the first thing. The second thing, uh I'm just thinking I'm missing one here. Just a second here? I'm having a bit of a mind melt here. Uh, so many of you know this practice. Uh, is the second one to simply uh regret you really say, okay, yeah, that was yeah, I think I was kind of blending one and two a little bit there. So the first one, let's go back. The first one would be just remembering what you did. And the second would be really going into, ooh, that's just a bad idea. And not in a way that beats you up, but just in a way that, um, uh, that allows you to realize, this isn't who I want to be. The third thing is to decide that you're just going to not do that again. For a certain length of time, and we say for a certain length of time because we want it to be a reasonable length of time. If you say, "Gosh, I just got mad at my wife," I'm never going to do that again. You're probably setting yourself up (laughs) to break that I remember Geshi Michael saying, "You know, I've I remember you know during this practice of these four uh, these four points." during the practice, breaking this vow again. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, some things are just tough. So saying, it's like, you know, you're, you're just, you just know, had a fight with uh, your best friend, and you're just, you're cooling off. And you just, you know, just sit back and, and think, you know, I'm not going to get mad at this person again for five minutes. And you just cool off, you go, you know, and you say hi, and you kind of talk again. And you just resist for five minutes the urge to uh, to fight again. Um, the fourth thing is to um, make some activity that makes up for it. If you stole something, give it back. If it, if you yelled at someone, you apologize. Simple things like that. Uh, you can take it in a different direction. You can, as you're. Uh, Remedial um, uh, activity, uh, study. Study uh, karma and emptiness, especially. So you realize how things come back to you. Um, Different ways to take that. But those are the four um, words. Four just coming. Pardon? Four powers. Four powers. I so knew there was a way we talked about those. Thank you. <laughs> um, the fourth thing is to rejoice about something that you did well. It's kind of the, the other end of remembering what you did for it. And uh, just remember something that did fit your ethics, you know, where, where it was a little dicey and you took the high road where you didn't yell at someone that you, uh, that you might have, uh, where you were generous in a way that you didn't. And just to kind of let that sink into your heart. Yeah, I did good there. Just let that kind of glow for a bit. And again, about 20 seconds. It's a good time frame to just hold that because it allows it to really seep in in a sweet way. Um, uh, five, six, and seven are kind of back to uh, the. Um, the holy uh, object we're dealing with. Uh, five. Uh, you want to. You want to ask them for uh, assistance, for teachings, for realizations. Here we state it as you know, help them, develop, help you develop their good qualities essentially, but. Uh, It's also asking for their teachings, for their guidance, for them to be sitting on your shoulder, just kind of with you in the day. Uh, Ask them to stay uh, with you so that you always have that continuity in your life of being able to return. And sometimes you can think of that as a teacher who's living, and you're saying, "Don't go anywhere, don't move to portland, don't mm-hmm. don't, don't die um, but it could be just that sense of stay in my heart mm-hmm. so uh, and the seventh uh, thing uh is to mm, ask for their blessing here they would it ask for their guidance, but it's a little closer to say ask for their Blessing, just you feel that sense of uh, what Christians would call grace. It's not something that they owe you. Uh, it's not something that you've had to earn or uh, get uh, get a chit for. It's just grace. To a, you know, to a Christian, is something that just God bestows upon you because that's the way He is. I'm kind of asking for that sort of blessing. Just think of me in that way and give me that sort of. Blessing uh so let's see next slide. so those have more to do with um, the image that you've brought up in uh, the fourth uh, preliminary. You go through uh, the fifth preliminary, which is the seven ingredients, and then we have the sixth preliminary, which is just uh, resting for a moment um, and kind of hoping that. This does the world some good. This is this uh, correlates in Buddhist practice with dedicating the merit of one's good actions. Um, so let's, uh, let's do this. We're going to go through the six preliminaries in guided meditation. And then we're just going to sit again for, uh, for a while, and for about five minutes. My uh, timer seems to be a bit on the fritz, so I'm just going <coughs> to... So let's find our meditation position. Can you go back to the slide with the first five and six point of the i will be there. Oh, God, you're good. <laughs> Thank you. So settle into your meditation posture, so we'll assume that you've uh, created a good space to meditate in, that you've set up your altar, that you've freshened up your altar, put something on it. You've taken those seats, so then take some time and take ten breaths where you're just Resting your mind on the breath as the object of meditation. And you can count to ten, or you can just count one ten times. Now, bring someone to mind that you find int- inspirational, that you admire, that it's easy for them to warm your heart. And now we'll start the seven ingredients. So, first, bring to mind trait of the holy being that you have in your mind. And just rejoice in that. Just enjoy that they have that trait. And honor them for having that. Just take a few seconds. second, imagine offering them something. And feel the, the generosity in your heart extending out to them as you make that offer. Take a few seconds. Next, clear your conscience by bringing something to mind that did in the last maybe 24 hours, uh, some action or something sad, something thought, that doesn't bring something to mind. And first, just remember it. Just remember what you did. And second, just feel the regret because you've gone against your own value. Third, make a promise to yourself that for a certain length of time, you're going to make an extra effort not to do that thing again. And imagine yourself, through that period of time, actively refraining from that activity Do that would be an antidote to that act that has the opposite energy, and either do that now or just think about hmm, that's something I need to do in the future when I leave the class when the timing is over. on to the fourth ingredient, rejoicing about something you did well. Especially something where eh, you could have done this, you could have done that, but you did the thing that made you proud. And let that feeling of um, happiness about that just settle into your heart. Next, as you visualize the Holy Being chosen, ask them to teach you, to offer you uh, realizations, to help you develop in yourself the good qualities they have. Six, ask them to stay with you. That's the Let's start our meditation now. For five minutes, we'll do a single-pointed meditation on the breath. So adjust your posture if necessary. Rest your mind on the tactile sensations of the breath as you feel them. Out of meditation, sometimes it's just nice to linger there. You know, I think we've all had that experience of being kind of in a nice headspace, space, and you get up and go through your day, you know, kind of get on with your life, but you're kind of in that, you know, uplifted, I could use the word spacing, um, you know, state. Um, that's fine. But if you're wanting to kind of switch gears and get back into the world in a very solid way quickly, the way to do that is to end your meditation, you choose three things that you see, and just label them. Tonka, door, window. Take three things that you hear and label them. Fan, traffic, you know rustling of, uh, of material. And take three things um, that you feel the, my uh, uh, pelvis sitting on the cushion, uh, the clothes on my skin here, and a little bit of an itch right there. And that will just bring you back into the room in a, in a very quick way if you need to do that. So let's take a five minute break and we'll I always want to come back to this point. The the practice of meditation has been refined by millions and millions and millions of practitioners over thousands and thousands of years. By the time that the Buddha was on the earth, 2,600 years ago, meditation was an ancient practice at that point. Um, And the problems of someone who wants to engage meditation the benefits of meditation. Uh, The problems that arise really come down to five issues, and uh, there are antidotes for those issues. That's the good news. So last week, we we went over the first one, not wanting to meditate, uh, and there are four antidotes to that. Does anyone remember the first one? Remembering the benefits of meditation? Yeah, exactly. So... If we're just not getting into the cushion, if you find you have a general sense, I really want a meditation practice, but days go by and you're just realizing, I didn't meditate yesterday. I didn't meditate the day before. I really don't want to meditate now. (laughs) But I kind of (laughs) want to meditate. Then this is the first thing to do, is just remember why you want to meditate. There's a handout we gave out if anyone needs one. Uh, I have more here about the 100 Benefits of Meditation. Mm -hmm. It's a short list, really. Uh, Meditation is, uh, you know, to just calm your mind, to just give you a happier today, works very well. In terms of uh, achieving spiritual realizations, it is uh, instrumental, it is uh, fundamental to spiritual practices. Uh, it will take you as far as you want on your spiritual goal, right? to your, towards your spiritual goals. So just to dwell on that, and not in a, in, in a way that makes you feel good, if you're feeling oppressed by your review, or if you're feeling that it's not making you happy to think about this, then you need to change something, because this part of the practice should get you excited about it about uh, why you want to meditate um, the second thing you do uh, the second um, antidote for uh, not wanting to meditate is to uh, just decide that you want to be a good meditator mm-hmm. To review the benefits okay and just make that that I don't want to say vow to yourself, but just have that impression in your mind, yeah, I do want to meditate. It's a good thing. Uh, the third thing is to make the effort to actually meditate. Do the process mm-hmm. to move forward in that. And you'll find that if you go through the first antidote for uh, number one of recalling why, uh, mm-hmm. why you want to meditate, and you do the second one, just saying, OK, I'm going to meditate. It's going to be good. And then you get to meditate and you find you're really not wanting to do it, you're kind of looking for something else, and oh, I'll kind of plan for 24 minutes, but maybe I'll just do five and that sort of thing. Back up and just kind of go to the second one again. Okay, you're really ready to kind of say I want to meditate. And if you, if you find, yeah, I've still got some conflict about that, go back to the first one. So just keep going back until you get something that's working for you and then move forward with it. The fourth um, antidote for not wanting to meditate is um, is to just practice the first three over and over again. Uh, as you're going through your meditation practice day in, day out uh, if you're not getting to the cushion on a regular basis and you're not happy about getting to the cushion. Start number one, number two, number three, and just keep repeating this series as, uh, as you will. And what you find is, as you get used to meditation, it tends to generate its own uh, power for you. You just want to do it more and more. It's easier to do more and more. It's just to develop the habit, essentially. So does that make sense? So for the first one uh, of the five obstacles, there are four antidotes. Mm-hmm. Um, the second uh, obstacle is is once you sat down to meditate, you're, you're focused on some object of meditation, and your mind just wanders off. And I think everyone's probably had that um, that experience. The basic thing you do is just bring the mind back to the object of meditation. You remember what you're doing, uh, and then you bring it back. The four R's very good practice for this. Uh, release, rejoice, return, and relax. Um, but you're, we're trying to cultivate this behavior of remembering. And the good point is that this habit just gets stronger the more you meditate. And really, I don't know of a better way to do it, uh, to develop this quality of remembering, than simply meditating. So, that's the good um, the uh, third obstacles are agitation and uh, uh, dullness. Uh, dullness is that range of tiredness of fatigue that can go anywhere from I'm just about to go to sleep. I'm just uh, you know ready to fall over and just you know, not going to move for for eight hours to just being a little. Fatigue, just not having the normal sort of uplifted sense that you would hope to have. Uh, on the other hand, agitation is a fairly wide range, from just a little bit of nagging, sort of mm, something's not right in the world, uh, through uh, that feeling in your physical body of just oh gosh, I've had too much coffee, or you know what it is when you're just wired up from whatever, uh, from whatever's causing that all the way to a panic attack. You know, that's that full range of agitation. Um, and essentially, when you have dullness and have an agitation, you want to realize that that's what it is. So we are watchful for that. I mean, watchfulness is kind of the key word for the uh, antidote uh, for, the, uh, for dullness and agitation. Um, Watchfulness is uh, kind of a piece of the mind that this, has this watching capacity. And it's a subtle thing, because we don't want the watching to become the main focus of our meditation. But if we're not watching the progress of your meditation, kind of from that outside seat, uh, inevitably the mind is just going to wander off. We're not going to be doing the meditation more. Uh, so I've heard this taught in different ways. Sometimes the sense is you, like every fifth breath, you just check in. What am I doing? How's my posture? How's my focus? You know, and so on. Um, I've heard some people say, you just want to have this constant, kind of in the background, this sense of awareness about what you're doing. I find that it's that latter one that just works better for me personally, and that's just because that's the, the way my mind works uh, is just having a little bit of engagement all the time with awareness of what I'm doing, uh, on the periphery of my thoughts. And the focus is still on the object of meditation will work for you well. Uh, once you realize you have dullness or agitation, the fourth uh, problem, the fourth obstacle, is not doing something about it. So, what do you do for dullness? What do you do for agitation? Do you have a handout. There's a list. I'm just going to go over things briefly here, and they're in order. In that, uh, if you notice, oh, I'm having dullness. Uh, you want to just kind of go through the three things in the order of the list. The the way you know you're dull rather than agitated in meditation, is that as you, if your dullness is an obstacle to your meditation, you find that you, you're on the object of meditation, it feels pretty solid, and it just slowly drifts from that. If you get a little less solid, a little less focused, peripheral thoughts start to come in around uh, the, kind of the periphery of the mind. The peripheral thoughts start to come into the center, and the object of meditation starts to go off to the side, and then you're kind of aware of the breath, but it's so distant that you've almost almost gone completely, and then you realize that it's just gone completely. And it's that kind of slow sort of process for dullness. Agitation is more. You're on the object of meditation, on the object of meditation, and. You know, Zing! And it's just gone and you're just off. And that's, it's got more energy to it. That's what agitation tends to do. Uh, But for dullness, the first thing you want to do is just tighten up your uh, awareness a bit. It's a subtle thing, and it's a difficult thing at first, because you're not quite sure what muscle that is. (laughs) Uh, It's it's something to play with. uh, And it's Something you want to do gently, because tightening up can be a a problem um, that just throws you into um, agitation. So you don't want to swing wildly in that. You just want a very subtle tightening up of the mind to uh, bring you out of the dullness. And again, just lifting the chin just uh, a couple degrees. That might be all it takes. Um, if that doesn't work, we shift um, our meditation to an uplifting object, such as precious human birth, a teacher uh, that we admire, a bright light, the good quality of holy beings, something like that. Uh, But you, at this point, if just tightening up the mind isn't working for you, then you leave your object of meditation, You bring one of these things to mind. Um, Precious human birth is always personally uh, a good one for me and that basically refers to just the fact that uh, we're here, we have the perfect opportunity to gain spiritual um, progress. Uh, We have minds that are sharp, we have enough food, we're not at war, you know, everyone in this room has enough free time to be here. That's kind of amazing when you think about it. Just to reflect on that, gosh, you know, my life has these qualities that really allow me to have this spiritual practice that I really like to benefit from. Precious human life, you know, you can take that in different ways, but you want to do that enough to where... You get an uplifted feeling, and then you drop that part of the practice. And then you return to the object of meditation that you had. In our case, we've been working with the breath a lot sooner. You return to the object of meditation, relax into it, and go from there. Is that pretty clear? Um, if that doesn't work, you just kind of break your meditation for a while, Stretch, walk around, get some fresh air. Going outside and looking at the horizon, looking at something far away is very good. Uh, But just splash some water on your face, uh, yoga inversions, uh, general yoga posture, but something just to get your energy moving for a few minutes and then sit down again and just drop back into your uh, meditation. Uh, If that doesn't work, it could be that you're just too tired to meditate, and sometimes that happens. You know, we just uh, we're just exhausted. We're upset about something. You're too you're too um, uh, in too much of a space uh, that's just not going to be conducive to meditation. And then you just drop it for that period. Go down, lay down, take care of the dullness in some active way. Uh, and then, when you can, come back and do your meditation. Uh, But, when you're meditating, you're training the mind. We're always training the mind to do something, no matter what we're doing. If we're driving along and daydreaming, we're reinforcing that part of the mind that daydreams. You know, if you're driving down the road and you're doing Uh, a uh, four, uh, practice of the four immeasurables. You're training your mind to do that. Um, You don't want to be training your mind to be dull and struggling. So if that's where you are, just take care of that, fix that. That make sense? Um, For agitation, um, first thing you want to do, if you realize you have some agitation going on that's interfering with your meditation, is you want to just relax, loosen up your concentration a bit, loosen up your focus uh, a bit. And sometimes that's all it takes, just shaking off some of the firmness with which you're uh, meditating. Uh, if that doesn't work, shifting your mind away from the object of meditation and going to something uh, sobering, um, that uh, the the reality that one day you'll die Uh, 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 all the problems in the world that can keep you from um, your spiritual practice Um, you don't want to you want to be careful with this one you don't want to be throwing yourself into a bummer, you know (laughs) Uh, but you want to just just enough to to settle the mind, to drop the energy level down. And it's found that you know contemplating the reality of being mortal and that one day you die is kind of a good one for that. Um, if that doesn't work, third thing you do is go back to counting the breaths. It's actually very good at reigning in the mind. Uh, and again, you could do, you know, count to 10, and then start one again, and go back to 10. I just find staying with one to be the best uh, counting of the breath, so however that works for you. Um, and if you're, if you, that doesn't work and you're just too agitated, uh, take a break, do something else. Uh, If you're very agitated, exercise is actually a very good thing to just get you out of that. Uh, But then as soon as you are able to, come back and do some meditation. You don't want to be out of the saddle too long that way. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Uh, And the fifth thing is uh, overcorrecting. This is mostly a problem as we gain more experience in meditation. Uh, because we're in the beginning we're used to correcting a lot. You're used to the mind wandering off very quickly and having to write it in very quickly. We're used to uh, agitation and dullness being big problems and having to manage those. But as we get um, more practice with meditation and more experience as a meditator and better at meditating, those uh, issues just don't come up as much. So you don't need to attend to them as much. The, uh, the watcher, that part of your mind that is aware, that kind of step back of what we're doing. It just isn't that necessary, so we just let those parts of our practice relax as we get better and better. We don't constantly try to be correcting things that don't need to be corrected, so, so like that. Uh, so good. Are there any questions about uh, the uh, five obstacles and the eight uh, antidotes? It's pretty straightforward stuff. Just remembering to do them is important. I would, uh, you have a handout on these. I would say keep that right next to your meditation cushion because there'll be a time when you realize, gosh, I'm just having this problem of not doing, not doing this or this coming up and... There's, those are the evidence to use. So let's see. Go back to go back one step to the types of meditation. Uh, these will come up as in your uh, spiritual life over time. You'll realize that some contemplative practices are not so much single pointed focus as we're doing. Uh, so we're going to talk about the, the three basic types of meditation. The one we've been doing, resting our attention on the breath, is a single-pointed concentration uh, meditation. Uh, you can do this with a variety of objects. Some people will use an image of a holy being, and they uh, rest their mind on that, to the thought that you want a living image. You don't want to be imagining a picture of your teacher want to be imagining your teacher. You don't want to be imagining the Buddha in a statue. You want to ma- imagine the Buddha living. You want to see the robes moving. You want to hear the rustling of the fabric. and hear the Buddha's breath. You want to smell the body of the Buddha and mm-hmm. so on. Um, you can concentrate on a uh, candle flame. There are some uh, uh, in some ways that uh, that you can focus your uh, attention on but you're resting your mind on one thing and holding it there and you're very aware when you go off that object of meditation that you want to bring it back so your object of meditation is quite fine is quite finely tuned. The second uh, type of meditation is a contemplative meditation And here you're contemplating something and you're wanting your mind to explore it a bit so that the arena that our mind is in is just much larger than with single pointed uh, awareness. So say a typical contemplative meditation might be uh, contemplating compassion. So you would sit, you settle in, you do your preliminaries, And then you bring to mind the word compassion. Just repeat it over slowly. Compassion. 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 And at some point, you start to feel, something starts to shift, and you start to have some awareness of compassion. You have a feeling of compassion. You have some ideas about compassion, uh, how it could be in your life. What, uh, when it's appropriate to have compassion, something just comes to you, and you let your mind go there. You let your mind explore that, but it's still within this arena of the thought of compassion. If you're thinking about uh, precious human birth, you're off your object of meditation. You got to come back to compassion again. Just repeat the phrase compassion, or though and so on. Uh, there may be a time in a contemplative meditation where you just, you're not repeating the word uh, more. You're just really resting with something that arose. That's fine to be doing that. But again, if you're going far afield, you're off the object, you want to come back. The third uh, type of meditation is analytic. This is more where you're reviewing something that you've learned. And this is a bit of a wider arena for the mind to go into. Say you were um, uh, learning the practice of Lin. You would review each step-by-step process in uh, in that practice, and that would be your meditation. Not so much, you could do it as doing Lin meditation, but you'd be very aware of uh, of training yourself in each step. If you're just practicing tonglen, which it would simply be the practice of tonglen. But uh, the analysis of how you do it brings you more into the realm of analytic meditation. And again, it's a wider arena, perhaps than contemplative meditation. But it is a set arena, and when you go outside of that, and you're thinking about something else, you want to bring yourself back to, uh, to the meditation. So I wanted to do, before we left, a contemplative meditation. So we'll do that for about five minutes. I think I fixed the timer, before I <laughs> <laughs> Um So let's get into a uh, meditative posture. We're going to do it for five minutes. And we'll do a little bit of instruction. In the beginning. The yeah, that'd be fine. So Settle into your posture, relax into it, and bring to mind some thought that you would like to explore. It could be a a general thing like compassion, generosity, it could be uh, a relationship you have with a certain person. Um, but bring something to mind you want to explore and fit it into either one word or a short phrase. And then begin to very slowly last way, repeat that word or phrase over. Just keep your mind in this process, just repeating the words, giving it enough space to where you're allowing something to arise, if it's going to. You don't want to force anything. Uh, to happen. You don't want to try too hard here, but we want to relax into a space that's open enough so that when something arises, for a question if anyone's got one. Mm-hmm. Do we have time for Jeff. Mm-hmm. What? Oh I'm like, I feel like you're asking me to do something. <laughs> <laughs> We are the you all to try